Now if I had the courage, I'd pour into your jaw All the things that I have heard you whisper in the dark And when that jar was heavy with your honeyed confidence I'd put it Hello, welcome to Indie Bandwidth, an alternative music podcast Actually, I'd say it's a father-son podcast I'm the father And I'm not Alright, what are we going to do this week, Parker? Uh, this week we're going to do the album Secret Juice 3 No that's very, very wrong. Um, the album Book of Horizons by the band Secret Tease 3. That's right. So this is an amazing album, which, of course, I've said about both of the albums. We, no, all three of the albums we've done so all far. All four? This is the, well, no, all three. This is the fourth. The previous three, and this is the fourth, yes. It's hard to keep track. Um, this is the fourth episode we're doing. But the first episode we've recorded after launch, right? Yes. So... The, so as of recording this, um, our uh, Beck episode should be going up in like a day and a half. That's right. That's right. And uh, you know what? A quick thank you to everyone who's been listening to the podcast. We're really grateful. I've gotten some great feedback, some great comments, and, and we really hope you're enjoying it. But it's uh, it's great to know that there's some people out there listening. And hopefully we'll pull in a couple of more people with this uh, Secret Chase 3. I happen to know a few listeners who will probably be able to get interested in this one, but... Uh, I'm really excited about this one and also super nervous. Uh, full peek behind the curtain, um, this is our second attempt at doing it because I'm so bad at doing this one that uh, I, we had to start over because this album makes me talk too much. <laughs> uh, we didn't even get to the song. We, we didn't even get to the song. Like 15 minutes. Exactly. So we're just like, wait a minute, Dad. You need to learn to shut up. So I'm, I'm going to try to take a little bit more of a back seat. Um, do you want to try to give a recap of the history of this? Or what would uh, yeah. you like to say about Secret Chiefs 3 themselves? I, I can uh, do a bit of the history. Sure. So, Secret Chiefs 3 was formed out of members of the uh, band Mr. Bungle. Um, the sort of, I guess, like showrunner of Secret Chiefs 3 who writes most of the stuff. Ooh, showrunner, I like that. Uh, is uh, Trace Bruins. Yep. Who I believe was the guitarist for Mr. Bungle. That's correct. One of the guitarists. One anyway. of the guitarists. Um, and he, along with other musicians, um, created Secret Cheese 3, a side project. That's which, right. That was like mid-90s, I mid-90s. think. Mid-90s. Um, and when did uh, First Grand Constitution release? Which was their first album. Boy, I don't remember exactly, but it must have been around uh, 93 or 94, I think. So after so their first album was First Grand Constitution and Bylaws. Correct. Their second album was Second Grand Constitution and Bylaws. And then they created Book M. Right. And then the one we're doing today, which is Book of Horizons. That's right. What and, and out of all of their catalog, and th there's a lot of albums after this one as well, which you know maybe right. eventually we'll get to. Why did you want to do this one in, speci in specific? Because you you chose this album to cover for Secret Chiefs Three. I just think it's my favorite Secret Juice 3 album. It, like, a lot of, not all the songs, but the songs on this album that do speak to me speak to me more than other than any other Secret Juice 3 songs. Wow, that's amazing to me. And I think super cool. Because um, I think in a lot of ways, this is one of their most conceptual albums. Um, Book M, if anybody here is listening to this album or, or gets inspired to listen to it, I think you really like it. 
Um, but you might want to also go and visit Book M, because, which we'll cover at some point. Um, Book M is how I got into Secret that's right. 3, and it's a much easier listen. It this. is. It's a little more, it's an easier entry point. A little easier on the ears. And I know, I know a, a lot of our audience uh, came from our first episode, which was Pavement. So if you're a Pavement fan, um, be prepared. This is not them. <laughs> this is a uh, different territory. Yeah. But really, really good. I mean, one of the one of the big differences I'd say right off the bat is this is mostly instrumental. It's it's like it's a very instrument like And what lyrics there are you can't really understand without a lyric sheet in front of you anyway. Because right. um, spoiler, there's some death metal growl in here. Yeah. And also just based on genre, they're one of the hardest bands to pin down because they do like Part of their whole deal is doing many, many genres. That's right. That's right. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because not only do they do different genres, but unlike other bands, like Astrosphere, I might say, who we'll cover eventually, that sort of flow between genres and sort of a fun freeway, with Secret Chiefs 3, it's very intentional, right? I'm not going to go too much into this, because uh, this is what got me into trouble last time, and I had to stop the podcast. But Trey Spruance, the guy who, who composes all the music... Uh, is a deep, deeply philosophical person. And this music is really, really deeply philosophical. And he has, um, at least starting on this album, divided up all the songs into seven different bands, right? So there's he's basically come up with seven different bands, um, and each song represents or is played by, quote-unquote, played by one of those bands, even though it's mostly the same musicians, there's these different bands. So do you want to read off what some of the band names are? Okay, so I'm going to start with Forms, Ishrakion, Traditionalists, Holy Vem, Electromagnetic Azoth, Ur, is that how you pronounce it? Yep. Um, and then there's one that's not listed. Yes. Which is NT Fan, and that's the seven bands. So each song... Uh, is quote-unquote played by one of those bands. So as we start listening to the album, we'll name what band it is, and you'll start to get a feeling for what those are. And I'll try not to talk too much about it, but um, there's a very specific reason for each of the genres, which I don't fully understand, but I know it's there. I trust that there's a reason behind it, because Trey's a genius. And I say that about a lot of people, but that's undeniable about Trey, for sure. Um, you know, one of the things you and I have talked about on this album that I'd like to hear you talk about a little bit more is that there are some songs on this album that are just completely enjoyable right off the bat and some that are sort of conceptual like how do how do the different songs hit you we'll talk about that as we go through but um oh man i i really don't know how to answer that question well maybe we that maybe that's a better question yeah. to answer as we go through right because we'll have our response to each of them and so the album is called book of horizons the theme of books i find is very prevalent with secret cheese three um many of their album names uh, you know, our quote-unquote books. Right. There's, you know, Book M, Book of Horizons. Book of Souls. Book of Souls. Folio A, A which right. Folio B is forthcoming, I think, at some point in the distant future, I'm sure. Maybe, hopefully. Yeah, right. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> um, but ever since Book of Horizons, Secret Chiefs 3 has been all about these separate subbands. As a matter of fact, he's put out some albums completely focused on a subband. There's been a traditionalist album... There's been sets of singles by Ishrakun that, you know, like are, are kind of their own album and and Ur. And so it's really interesting how he's sort of uh, uh, releasing his music in that way, telling a really long form 
<laughs> sort of philosophical exegesis. Um, anyway, I mean, I could talk about this forever. I don't want to. Should we dive into the music? Uh, or is there anything else you want to say before we start diving in song by song? Well, sort of building on what you were just sort of saying, like how there's a sort of uh, a larger picture that's being created by all the songs. Um, and almost like a story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's really complicated ideas going on here from everything from the time signatures to the style of music to where they're placed. Uh, and we'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through because there's some things to point out as we start listening to this that'll have this make a little bit more sense, I think. Um, so maybe it's time to start listening to okay. some songs. What do you think? All right, so... Let's start by just playing you a clip of the first song. First song, which, which is, is called... Which is titled The End Times. The End Times. And the sub-band for this uh, uh, song is called Forms. So here's a little clip. <laughs> I honestly think this is one of my favorite songs on the album. That's really cool that you that that, that you think that. I, I mean, I really like this song too. It's not my favorite song on the album by any stretch, but I do really love it. Uh, it's sort of like a almost like a sad, melancholy beginning to this album, right? It doesn't hit you in the gut in the way that some other albums we've done have started with a, a gut punch. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that it was. Uh... It's of the subband Forms, which I think I'm the least familiar with, probably. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, this this is a pretty straightforward song for the band Forms. When we come to the next Forms song, which is uh, track five, and we'll get there in a minute. What's it titled? Uh, the Owl in Daylight. Oh. That's much, much different than this song. Yeah. For sure. This song is kind of straightforward. Um you know, there's there's actually a few str uh, straightforward songs, uh, you know, uh, right at the start of this album. But uh, let it be known, it is a few. <laughs> a few. And then we're going to get into some quite weird territory. And frankly, it's going to be hard to know what kind of clips to play because each song is so different. That well, well, we might have to end up doing multiple clips. Well, we might have to end up sections. doing multiple clips, that's true. So uh, I do really like this song, though. And it is, to me, it makes me feel really sort of melancholy. I think to a degree, all of these albums are sort of a discussion of, uh, not a discussion, um, an allegory about the descent of the soul down through, you know, the, the higher realms down into matter. And this is, this would be the beginning of that. So this is sort of a, a really uh, uh, almost sad sounding song to me. What is it? What does this song make you feel or think? Um, yeah, it's a bit melancholy, but it also feels like, so... I think 
the the end times is a pretty good title for this because it definitely it it gives sort of a vibe of um like an emptiness waiting to be filled almost oh, interesting yeah and in terms of book of horizons that sort of makes sense like a, a horizon how do you a horizon mm, well now I've sort of I'm not thinking of the good words. Do you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> uh, no, and I feel like I'm probably going to trip over myself a lot when I'm trying to talk about this album because there, it, it's really easy to lose yourself because there's it's thick with ideas. It's like I keep finding myself tripping over my own feet uh, when I get when 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 I start to dive too deep into any one of these songs. But I really liked what you said that um, you felt like. Uh, you know, it was sort of like a, a descent into emptiness. Like it was, it's almost like there's a void being filled in or, this song. Or, or more like there was something empty. Like, and I feel like since the album starts with the end times, it's right? the end of something. The beginning and, starts with the end. Right. And so that implies that it's the end of something, but the begin, beginning of something else. That's so it right. seems like the, the song gives sort of a, a melancholy feel of something that was but also sort of a foundation for for something more to fill it. That's it's right. It's sort of the vibe I get but while listening to this song. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think that's a really good uh, description of it. So this song moves into one of my favorite songs on the album, frankly, and probably my favorite sub-band. Uh, the next song is called The Four, uh, subtitled The Great Ishraqi Sun, and it's by the sub-band Ishraqiun. Should we go ahead and listen to a clip? Is there anything you want to say about this before we play it? Um, well, I don't see the point in saying much before you play the song, but... So point taken. Let's just start. Let's give a little clip. Here you go. Sun. This is a very Ishrakian song. Yes, very Ishrakian. Uh, Ishrakian is my favorite sub band for sure, hands down. I would have to agree with you there. I love, I love pretty much every Ishrakian song that has ever been made. Um, a lot of people would say this sounds Middle Eastern, and it has that sort of Middle Eastern feeling to it. Well, I think of a lot of Ishrakian. Uh, you could classify as very like Middle Eastern sounding. That's right. Now Trey has always been very careful to say that this is not Middle Eastern music, right? Um, because that is very specific, but it's undoubtedly influenced by Middle Eastern music, right? Um, I just love the way this. See, Ishrakian is the band sub band to me that really hits my feeling, my emotions. Like I really feel these songs um, pretty heavily, unlike some of the other songs. Um, and then the title's really interesting. One of the reasons it's, and this is sort of pedantic and strange, but one of the reasons it's called The Four is because it's in 4-4 four, four time. You'll see later on there's a song that's called The Three, and let's see if we can pick up the time signature in that. But 
he actually labels it the four Wait. partly because of the time signature. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of it in my head. <laughs> He's counting it out, folks. He's doing the the math in his head, seeing if it's in four four time. Yeah, it is. I think so it is. And and when we get to the three, let's see if we can hear the same thing, right? Um, now, of course, there's a, a raft of meaning in the song. I'm not even going to begin to try to pick apart. Um, but really interesting to come off of um, the end times. I think this is a, a, a kind of a good one-two opening to this album for sure. Um, what else do you think about this song? Oh, um, hmm. I, I don't have a... This is a song that I don't have a lot of, like, bigger ideas on. It, it's... Hmm. I think I've probably said most of what I think about the song. I don't have a lot of... Yeah, I don't necessarily... This is a song that I kind of just listen to. I don't really, like, dive that deeply into uh, the four. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't need to think about this song too much, right? That's kind of what I meant when I right. said, like, this is a song I feel pretty deeply because I, mm-hmm. I, I just do. I don't have to think about it. It's not conceptual to me. Ishrakian is not a, the conceptual sub-band. They're a, they're a band that kind of goes straight from my heart in a certain way, um, which is one of the reasons I think I love it so much. Um, but yeah, fantastic, fantastic song. Should we move on to the next one? Sure. All right. So this song uh, coming up is called "The Indestructible Drop." All right, and uh, we are now moving out of straightforward territory, ladies and gentlemen. That would that would be accurate. So here's a little clip of that. clip of the indestructible drop yes hard to even really call it a song right it's almost an interstitial yeah but um something interesting i think i I can't say this for sure but you remember how we talked about there's a band that's here but is never actually doesn't get its own song called nt fan and if you listen real close to the beginning and into this song what did you hear when we just listened to it um a fan going around that's right right it's sort of you hear this uh, to, to lead in and lead out of this song. So it's almost like, and, and we'll find that in other album or other songs on this album as well, that there's um, NT Fan is in the background, <laughs> is sort of hiding behind some of the other songs or propelling some of the other songs. Uh, no pun intended with the propeller joke there. Um, so that was really interesting. I mean, I don't know that there's a lot to say about that uh, if I'm not going to dive into the exegesis of it, which I'm not going to. Um, but what an interesting name too, right? The indestructible drop. That's a very provocative name. So, a drop. Wait, did we say what band this was? We didn't. This is traditionalists. Yes. Which, if you hear other traditionalist songs, this doesn't sound very traditionalist it at does all. Not. It does not. <laughs> I. I 
Calling calling this traditionalist is kind of weird. Because you don't really hear any... It just sort of sounds. It is. And there's no particular time signature to this at all. We oh, just no, talked no, no, about no. for the four how... There was a very specific time signature. This one does not have a specific time signature. Oh, no. No, like I said, it's not, it's not a song in the straightforward sense. But one thing that you'll want to maybe listen for as we listen to the rest of this album, even though a, band, even though a song may be played by a particular band, imagine a cube, and there was actually a drawing of this at one point. Imagine a, a, like a two-dimensional drawing of a cube with one of the bands at every intersection. And as that cube rotates, you might have one of the points facing you, but another band behind it. So sometimes there's a song that's an Ishrakian song that's got Holy Vim behind it. So it's an Ishrakian with Holy Vim influence. So this might be the uh, this might be traditionalists with an NT fan influence, right? There's never a pure. There's rarely anyway a pure song by one of the bands. Sometimes they've got a bit of one of the other bands really as a driving force behind it. And, yeah, I there are, like, a lot of songs that are mixed. I find that um, Ishrakion probably is the purest songs that it, you'll find. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I would agree. Especially on this album, the Ishrakion song, um, songs are pretty pure. As well as uh, Book M. Though they have uh, a, a little bit of... Is it... Well, in Book M, they're never explicit, right? No, you, yeah, we have to but, guess but, as but to you, which but is you, which. But you can hear how a lot of it's Ish- Ishrakion with... Man, what's what's the um, uh, what's I know there's like two mainly electronic bands, Electromagnetic Azoth and Forms. I would say I think there's a lot of Electromagnetic Azoth um, influence on the Ishrakian songs in Book M. Yeah, for sure. And although we have to be purely speculative about what right. bands are what on Book M because it wasn't explicit at that point, right? This is the first point uh, place is explicit, but. From my perception, that's what it seems like. Yeah, no, I would agree with you 100%. So back to talking about this weird thing. Yes. Or is there much more we can say about it? I don't think so. I think it's really leading in... It's very conceptual and weird. That's right. And it's leading into what, in its own way, is a straightforward song, but (laughs) straightforward in a way that most of you are probably going to want to back up from your headphones a little bit. So... Turn down your volume. Turn down your volume a little bit. If you're going to listen to the whole song, we'll like ruffle it out. So this uh, song is called Exterminating Angel. Oh, that's the next song. That's right. And it's by the band... Uh, Holy Vem. Holy Vem, which holy blankety blank blank. All right, everybody. So buckle up because it's going to get a little bit crazy here. That was a clip of Exterminating Angel by Holy Vim. It's a song that when I listen to the album, I usually skip. <laughs> this is this is black metal or doom metal. I don't quite know which way it fits into that, but it is serious hardcore metal uh, of the deepest, darkest variety. It, it This is one of the songs that, like, it's, it's hard to tell, like, 
what time it would even be in because it's just chaos of drums. Oh, chaos time. Just, yeah. Just like it, it's it's very off putting and like it doesn't feel like a, a lot of metal songs feel like songs. This one that's like it just feels like a lot of drums and screaming. It's hard to even hear like the bass or guitar or anything. Right. Right. Now from a from the philosophical point of view like the holy vim is really important in Trey's kind of cosmology as it were because this is this is not the devil this is not evil this is the giant angel with the fiery sword right this is the angel that guards the gates of heaven so to speak that's trying to separate the wheat from the chaff that sort of old testament crap where it's not all god's not always you know super nice sometimes he's gonna burn your enemies to the ground right so this is this is some real old testament uh stuff in my opinion um and there this is one of the songs with lyrics right you can't understand them per se we had to look at the lyric sheet as we were listening to them um and sometimes you'll hear one of the lyrics and it'll be muttered so quietly that you don't that like when we were listening along with the lyric sheet there was a lyric written and i couldn't even hear it because the drug because i could hear like faint but I couldn't hear any words because the drums were just like way louder over there. Right, right. It was just like mumbling. But or whispers. If, if if you ever do at all get into this album, right, you listeners out there, I would really recommend pulling up the lyric sheets for this because um, it's really interesting. Like, here's what I'm just going to read one stanza of the lyrics. Uh, the watchers sent the winds for your strength, but you bury your head back in earth. Coward, you fall to your knees before your holy delusions, right? So there's just this giant angel with a flaming sword basically telling you all sorts of stuff. Uh, and it's, um, I, it, I'm not, I'm not going to read any more of the lyrics, but I really recommend going and reading through them because they're, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty profound stuff actually. Uh, and it actually fits the tone of the music really, really well. Um, and again, the the Holy Vem is a key part of Trey's cosmology. So you you can't really understand, well, you can't really understand what Trey's doing anyway, unless you're a genius. But you can't understand what he's trying to do without wrestling with the Holy Vem for sure. Um, all right. Well, I don't know that I have a lot more to say about that other than that I really love this because I love every once in a while listening to uh, hearing some doom metal, even though I don't seek it out. I'm not a I'm not like a death metal or black metal fan. No, I'm not either. Like I don't listen to any yeah. any outside I, but of even, this. But even even with the and this and some other bands that have songs like that, I usually actually skip over those songs. Yeah, they're very hard for me to listen to. I I, I I enjoy hardcore music, but I have a limit. Now I'll tell you one of my favorite things though in the world that we haven't really gotten to hear any recordings yet are when Trey does Ishrakyun with Holy Vim behind it. Like I've told you about that song. Brazen Serpent, which has not ended up on any record yet, but that is an Ishrakian song played through Holy Vam, and that is a how, marriage how made in heaven. How do you find heaven. out the title to a song like that? He, uh, I guess he doesn't really announce it when he's in the when he's in the um, <laughs> playing a show. The... But I've heard, you know, I've heard live recordings where it's titled Brazen Serpent, and I don't know. I've heard from other fans. It's a good question. I don't know how I know that, but I know it's I know what the name of that song is because I've heard some live albums and and some live album shares. And that's what it's t- uh, titled. So someday we'll get that on an album, and then I'll, I can die happy. Uh, but until then, uh, we're, we've, we've got the Holy Vim just all by its lonesome. I and mean, he hasn't released an entire Holy Vim album yet, but that's coming, and that will probably be the album that 
You skip. He, he, he hasn't released an album in a long time. He's had some uh, singles that some have not singles, singles, but like short things that have come not, out. But not on an album. No, no, no. But I, but I bet you there's one in the works. Hopefully. Um, actually, you know what? That's not entirely true, but we don't have to talk about that now. He's done something with this great artist, John Zorn, um, that I have and I want you to listen to. Oh. Because uh, you'll really like it. But it's it's sort of him playing someone else's compositions with the Secret Chiefs 3 band. It's really good. Uh, but anyway, we don't need to digress there. So I'd say we move on from Exterminating Angel, and we go into what I think is one of your favorite songs, right? Uh, yes. Uh, this song is called The Owl in Daylight. And what's the subband for this one? Forums. That's right. All right, so here's a bit of that one. interesting thing about that name which you probably don't know is that that was the title of the last unpublished book by philip k dick and um philip k dick is one of trey's favorite authors or or at at least he's said that in the past and he's it was a huge influence on him Uh, and this was a novel that never got published but we know that the title was the owl in daylight so what do you think of that song you've told me this is one of your favorites on the album right yeah well what I love is how it goes from like really off-putting, and I get from what I've heard of like the songs that I can identify as forms, which seems to be a bit of a common theme. Is they're a bit, um, bit off-putting, and it's sort of like what instrument is that to begin with? Right. It, it, what do you know? What instrument that is? I don't. It seems like <laughs> it, it's a. It could just be a synthesizer, but um, maybe not. It's a similar sound to the Twilight Zone. Is that correct? Oh wow! Interesting. No, uh, the is that is that right? That uh, that sort of um, twangy, not piano, bells almost sounding. That like yeah, almost like a marimba or something like that. Like, like some the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Kind of. Yeah. Am, am I right in that? Is I don't that know. A, you might be. You I'm, might be. Uh, I'm, I'm. 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 It sounds like something, and it might not be Twilight Zone, but I feel like it might be. It could so, be. So I'm just going to go off that. Let's go with wrong, that. <laughs> uh, don't correct me. Deal with it. Deal with it. Um, I'm certainly, there's a dizzying array of instruments in this. And this is one of those songs, I think one of the first maybe on the album so far, certainly not the last, um, that's going to be really difficult to find a clip for because it, it goes through such a journey, this song. I think yeah. the middle part is almost my favorite. It gets really oh, mellow. Yeah. What, what I love is that it goes from that off-putting part, which I don't love, but then it just mellows out into like just really nice calm listen uh, and a beautiful melody right it's amazing yeah. and then it comes in with like some horns yeah which are super awesome to listen to also really awesome any 
horn player on Secrecy 3 is going to be amazing. That's true. It's true. The musicianship on these albums is out of this and world. And I haven't got... Yeah. Some of my favorite musicians. Um, uh, the Violinist. Yep. Although on this album, I don't know that Tim yeah. played as much as yeah, Evian so did. Yeah, I'm not... I'm not talking about this album, but just the violinist right. uh, Tim, yeah, on who also did Astrosphere. Yep. Um, so one of my favorite just musicians based yep. on musicianship. He's amazing. He's amazing. Um, but yeah, great, great song. This is a really good song. It, it, you know, I, I'm, so Forms did the first song on the album, and then this is the next time that Forms is showing up. Well, yeah. Wait. Oh. I guess that's right. Yeah, they did I, the. In- I, I'm confusing my uh, bands. It's hard not to. <laughs> it's hard to keep. I was straight. confusing um, forms with traditionalists, which is kind of weird. But for the indestructible drop, oh, for right. some reason I had in my head that that was forms, right. even though we just talked about it being traditionalists. This almost might be like a forms and traditionalists kind of mix. Like it's got that little bit of the. But who knows? I feel like it doesn't have enough guitar for traditionalists, though. No, maybe not. Maybe I feel not. like traditionalists, one of the things interesting is they have the most just like straight up guitar. Although they didn't in the Indestructible Drop, right? There was that no guitar true. at all. <laughs> but but in a lot of the other songs yeah. that I've identified as traditionalists. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, uh, we're a, about to get to one actually. Is it next? It's next, yeah. All right. All right, so why don't we go ahead and listen to that one? Okay. This is a great song. So we just said this is the sub band traditionalists, and this song is called The Exile. All right, here we go. That was a clip of The Exile. By Traditionalists. Yes. What a great song. Again, kind of yeah. back to the more straightforward sound for the for the album. In, in a way, I guess, if you can call anything straightforward on this album. So, one of the things I don't know if you've ever seen um, that I wanted to talk about, and this is a good time to talk about it, is... I'm going to see if I have it in the garage. The, uh, the jacket for this, the CD jacket, has a different drawing for every band that I think helps give you the flavor of what that band is. And this one is a Western scene with a guy a, a, a guy riding on a horse in front of a desert scene for the, for the traditionalists. That's very, a uh, very good image for traditionalists. Right? They're a very Western-sounding band. All of the art in this, uh, in this jacket art is fantastic. Do you it's have all, it? Uh, I do. It's down in the garage. And um, I happen to know the artist. You do too. Uh, Mike Benowitz fantastic artist he did all the art for oh um, he did he did all the art for this album yeah oh, that's pretty cool and he worked with trey i know really uh for a long time getting it conceptually right and trey was very specific about how he wanted each band to be represented um so we should take a look at that at some point i think you'd really enjoy it so this is a very western sounding song to me right i, I really do get this sort of lonely it's called uh it's called exodus no it's no. not it's called the, the exile. exile we'll talk about <laughs> 
Exodus and, and a, that's right yeah. and it does feel like it has a feeling of exile to me it's a very lonely song yeah. this song the the titles are so perfect aren't they they're so perfect nothing is accidental as i've said and and this one i think really fits in with the name of the song for sure and it really feels like a western right this is to me that i really hear in the traditionalists their western influence um in this song not country western but like old western movies right this this yeah. has that lonely feeling of the desert almost that's a that's an important dis, uh distinction not country western but like like an an old western you right know? An exactly old, an old black and white western music the that's kind right of music you'd hear in there that's right is a very traditionalist sound that's right um one other thing i want to point out about the name the traditionalists that's actually a very specific philosophical movement the traditionalist movement is a movement that he draws from really uh, uh, deeply, and there are specific authors who really belong to it. And it deals with, and I'm going to really gloss over it here, but something called the perennial philosophy, like really diving into the esoteric heart of ancient religions. So in a sense, it makes uh, a lot of sense to have it be a Western theme because it's, it's kind of looking backwards towards the past at the real heart of, of what those ancient religions meant. Um, so the band name itself is really important. It has a it has a real philosophical bent. But I won't get any farther into it than that, or I'll, I'll get myself in trouble. Um, all right. So next up is going to be another really kind of weird song. I think to me this is one of the weirdest songs on the album. It's called "On the Wings of the Heoma," and it's the first by the band the Electromagnetic Azov. So let's see if we can wrestle a clip out of this one. Because boy, is that going to be tough. Subband was let's see here I've got to check it out oh yeah of course how could I not know that that's the electromagnetic electromagnetic Azov uh, which I believe that's the first time we've heard that subband uh, on this album what are your impressions of that so you and I uh, full disclosure to everyone we've had a big break between the last time we recorded the last track uh, and this one. Um, if Parker and I both sound a little nasally, we've caught colds in the interim, so please forgive us. It's not the recording equipment. Uh, but we did just listen to that song, Fresh, from front to back. What do you think of that song, Parker? Um, it's interesting. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Um, I think w- one of the things I really like about that song is it's kind of the first song on this album that explicitly takes styles of all of the other bands and creates a single song out of them. It's And that's something I think Electromagnetic Azoth as a band, does quite frequently. Is it, I won't say remixes, I think that's a little bit too casual of a word, but it um, it filters all of the other bands together to create a piece that has no singular style, right? This song mm-hmm. goes from those cool ca- crazy drums in the beginning to that uh, real pause in the middle where it's just that 
kind of empty uh empty wind yeah like a minute and a half long pause almost yeah of just not much to listen to and then and then it starts picking up with some of the similar sounds you heard towards the more beginning segment that's right and then it starts to add in like 15 second bits that seem like they might be a song but they're not really and then of course it ends with a really nice and comforting like one minute 30 second like pretty much miniature traditionalist track that's right a really kind of really cool one yeah, and there's actually like a neat right before that he he gives us a bit of like an Iraqian track with a bit of a heavy um, vem guitar in it a little bit. It's really it's really kind of cool. And when you were talking about the echo of something we'd heard earlier, we explicitly hear the neat little uh, riff that's at the end of that first interstitial, the indestructible drop. That's real short. He repeats that a couple of times directly in this song. So there's there's these immediate echoes. It's really interesting. There'll be a couple of more of those as we go through. Um, I really like that song, but again, this is one of those things. It's not really a song. It's it's. I mean, it is, but you know what I mean. It's not straightforward. Um, yeah, it's not like a, a a nice enjoyable six minutes, which mm, I believe it is. No, this is one of those songs that I think you mostly enjoy. If you're listening to the entire album on headphones, front to back, right? And this has its place in that. But it's not a track that you're necessarily going to go to on its own. Um, all right, should we, uh, should we jump into the next track? Sure. All right, let's do it. This next one is actually a real treat. I love this. It's called Book T Exodus, and it's by the sub-band Ur. Here's a little taste. Exodus. And what was the subband? Ur. That's right. Um, and Ur. this is sort of unique on this album in that this is a cover. Uh, I don't know, maybe some of you even recognized it if you were able to pick that up from the clip we played. Uh, it's by a guy named Ernest Gold from a movie, I believe, called Exodus, which I don't think I've ever seen, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's a Western because that's a pretty Western uh, epic sort of song. You hear the the same types of guitars and horns and that kind of thing that you the or instruments that you hear in your classic Western background music. That's right. That's right. I mean, it makes me think of mesas and buttes and sunsets and horses and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's interesting. I mean, this has something in common with that other song we heard. Um, the Exile, I think, in a certain sense, even though it's a different band. I, I, to me, it make, I have always paired them together, even though they're different bands. Um, I think it's a, it's a pretty great song. Um, this, again, is one of the more straightforward of the songs. And um, I, this is one of those songs that I will definitely skip to on the record if I just want to hear a few of the songs on this album. There's so many layers to this song orchestrally. I feel like the, the engineering... Uh, behind this song is just gorgeous. It is one of the more straightforward songs that they'll that they'll play. Yeah, for sure. And, and the, I think obviously that has to do with it not exactly being theirs, but 
Well, sort of, but there's a couple others, right? Like the Exile was, right. I think, is Trey's composition, and that's that was definitely he definitely is able to write straightforward music when he wants to. I didn't say he didn't. You're right, he didn't. Um, uh, but yeah, it is interesting that he did a cover. There's some covers on those earlier albums on the um, Second Grand Constitution and stuff like that. Um, so covers are not unknown to uh, Secret Chiefs Three for sure. Um, but it's good stuff. I really, really like this song a lot, and. Even if you don't find yourself really liking this album, I recommend going and checking out a few of the tracks on it, and this is one of the tracks I recommend checking out, because I think no matter what kind of music you like, you're probably really going to like this song. This is always one of the first tracks I skip to when I go to click on the album and listen to it. Nice. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, again, I think you know there are, there are a handful of tracks on here that are super crowd-pleasers. This is one of them. It has a lot of meaning, too. I'm not going to dive into that here. Like I said, I could go on forever about that stuff, and I don't want to, but its placement on the album and the style of music it is um, is very important in the sort of exegesis that Trey is laying out. But I'll leave it to you to try to figure that out, dear listener, if you uh, if you so desire. All right, Parker, I think we should maybe move on to the next track. Um, and this one is another one where everyone might want to back up from their headphones a little bit. Well, you can't back up from headphones, but you can turn down your volume a little bit. This is going to be the Holy Vam with height. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to let you take this one. I don't know that I can uh, pronounce <laughs> that. Is, yeah, this is one of those weird pronounceable ones. The Hypostasis of the Archons. Hypostasis of the Archons, is that right? That's right. Okay. All right, here we go, everybody. Uh, turn down your volume just a little bit. Hypostasis of the Archons by your favorite band and mine. Okay, maybe not. Uh, Holy, Holy Bam. So uh, this Holy Bam song, even more than the first one, is just an all-out assault. This thing just starts off super fast and aggressive and never lets up. I think uh, Trey is making us pay for our sins in this song. Now I love it because I love this kind of music sometimes, but. What do you? Th I mean, you're not a big Holy Vim I fan. Don't, I don't love Holy Vim. There's like one of the things is there's no discernible rhythm, and I'm fine with that sometimes. But it's like it's just like loud, and I th think this is the point. But it's loud and screaming, and sometimes there doesn't seem to be a beat to any of it, and it's just like continually just going at it. And, just going and going and screaming. Yeah, this one for sure. I mean, I think for me, the thing I appreciate in Secret Chiefs 3 about the Holy Vim is when they influence the other bands. Like sometimes when there's some Holy Vim underneath in a Shrakune song, boy, that's my jam for sure. Because it gets that heavy, crunchy guitar and, and real kind of metal feel under the Middle Eastern music. But on its own, Holy Vim, I appreciate in the context of the album, but boy, is it assaultive and kind of hard to deal with. Um... I don't have a lot more to say about this one, other than that it's technically a piece of genius, just like everything on this album, compositionally beautiful in its own way, uh, but super assaultive and crazy. You, you got anything else you want to say about that one, Parks? Not really. Not really? All right. Okay. So let's move on. Song. 
So the next song is the uh, Electrotheonic Grail Dove. Did I get that right? No, I don't think Theonic. so. Let me see. Close. Oh, man. I think that's close. Let me see if I can do any better. Yeah, that's right. Electrotheonic Grail Dove. Yep, very close. Okay. Theonic um, meaning, I think, uh, I'm not even going to try to forget it. I'm not going to try to unpack that. So let's listen to that one. This one's by The Traditionalists. That was a bit of the Electro Theonic Grail Dove, and what we played you is all of it. That's well, right. <laughs> and I don't mean that we played all of it, because I think that would be a little mean, just a little bit, but it's basically just the same. It's a lot of noises. It is a traditionalist track. Kind of hard to see how it's a traditionalist track. Right. This breaks the mold of the traditionalists a little bit, or at least what little we understand of them thus far. It's supposedly a traditionalist track. For sure. Again, I think this is one of those tracks, you, we, you can't look at it in a vacuum, right? It's meant to lead from one song into the next. It's a interlude, or that's right. the other word that you use. That I use a lot, interstitial, which I'm probably using way too much and not appropriately in this context at all. I haven't um, heard that word before. You have or haven't? Have not. Oh, yeah, well, it just means something that comes between two other things to connect them. Uh, don't at me if I'm wrong there. That's my internal head definition. Um... So yeah, I think this this is a, a rung on the ladder that this album is building. No, I think all of you should um, <laughs> look up the dictionary definition and then <laughs> copy jerk. and paste it and then tweet it at him. You jerk. Oh, I'm going to get so many. Well, not Okay, that's fine if I get so many tweets about that. Tweet me. Tweet at me. Tweet Army. There's no Tweet Army uh, behind our accounts, unfortunately. Um, all right, so I don't have anything else to say, but what, what else are you can say about this song? It belongs where it belongs on this album, but I got no more to say about it. So let's move on. Um, it's real. That was a super short song, anyway. I might, I, I might just put the whole thing. Let's on see there. if I can pronounce the next one. Okay, let me let me pull it up for you. That's my job is oh, to pronounce the no, next no, no, song, no. dude. I'm sorry. Give it a try, but I don't think you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the three. <laughs> the three by my absolute favorite band on the album. say my catchphrase this is my catchphrase for this podcast what a great song i'm so i, I feel like at some point we're gonna have to for like maybe our 50th episode we'll have to do an album we hate or something so we just so we don't just Pretty say much. <laughs> so you don't just say oh this is the best what a great song okay so first of all the three another shrekian song it's in three four time right i was heavy-handedly pointing that out on my knee as we were just listening to it and you wanted to punch me in the face because it was so uh, patronizing and pedantic so i apologize yes. for that um, don't 
theory me. No, yeah. You by this point, dude, you've surpassed me in music theory anyway. So don't worry about it. You, you're the student has become the master. Um, but this is I, I again. I don't want to be a broken record. I I I thoroughly enjoyed this musical interlude. I'm trying to think of other words. No, this is well. This, this is an interlude. This is this is one of no, the. This is not interlude. This right. is one of the more straightforward melodic songs on the album. It is. And it's one of my favorites. It kicks ass, man. I love Ishrakun. There is an entire Ishrakun sub record that I don't know if you've listened to it. I think it's called Paracroisis. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, it, it's also awesome. I don't um, I don't know how fair this is, but I think Book M is pretty much an Ishrakian Ishrak album. It's got some other stuff in it, but a lot but, of it. But, yeah, what, right. but the thing about that album is it's a ton of Ishrakian, but then Ishrakian with so many influences. Right, right, right. Like, right. there's a lot of, like, electromagnetic Azoth influence on that album, right. but I think we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. No, for sure. And, and to be clear, I mean, this is something you and I already talked about earlier on this podcast, this episode. Um, this album here, Book of Horizons, is the first time he uh, explicitly mentioned or or had the device of having seven different bands. Book M, which was the album that came out before this, did not divide up the songs by bands, but they were all there. I mean, it's very clear, as Parker's pointing out here, that those bands, those kind of influences... You the can way pretty clearly hear the yeah. different bands. Yeah, exactly. I have to say one small little uh, 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 sideline here. One of the favorite shows I've ever seen in my life was, I mean, that's maybe a little hyperbolic, but it was a really good show. Uh, Secret Chiefs that you played, and they uh, played as the Ishrakian subband. So they just did Ishrakian songs. And oh my God, it was so amazing. Because uh, live, those songs in particular to me are great. Songs like the previous one we heard live, which are mostly just sort of keyboard and uh, weird interstitials are not my favorite way to see Secret Chiefs 3, even though it's still very impressive. Do they play the interstitials? Live? Sometimes. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Depending right. on the mood, depending on what the tour right, lineup then. is. Yep. Um, I mean, not exclusively, of course, they'd never do that. They've played all of them. Um, one time they played with a Stratosphere at the Phoenix, and uh, they played all metal them stuff and and secrets <laughs> and I didn't get to see the show and apparently Astratosphere did most of their metal tracks and at one point apparently the power went out <laughs> in the building. I've just that's one of those shows that people whisper about in back alleys like were you there at this show? But unfortunately I didn't get to see it so I've only heard the whispers. Um, in any event, I, I mean I could talk about the song more, but I'd be just more variations of how amazing this song is. Uh, if again, if you're not going to go and listen to this whole album, and there's probably a lot of you that won't. This, this is right. This is a Shrakian. Yeah, and and check out this track. I think you'll really like it. This one doesn't take a you, you know you don't have to know anything. You don't have to appreciate Secret History as no, a whole. This is this is just like a, a a nice, pretty easy listen. This is you know again, this is one of the tracks I, I go to if I just want to listen to a couple Secret History songs. Oops. Oh, hold on. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. I had, uh, accidentally hit the Spotify button. <laughs> Parker was talking. Um, yeah, so you were saying that this is one of the ones, if you just want to go and have an easy listen, this is what you'll. This is one of the things you'll listen to. Yeah. Yeah, which I think makes a lot of sense. Um, so our next song is... Father? I'm gonna, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that again. So our next song is called... <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I feel like we should keep this in. I Just probably so. will. <laughs> Just because we're being completed. No, not we're being completed. It's I'm being a complete idiot. And also lazy editing. And also lazy editing. Because we got to put this out today. got to put this out today. Uh, shh, don't tell anybody behind the curtains. 
So this next one, do you mind if I introduce this one? Uh, no. It's I want called. To pronounce it. What? I'm gonna try to pronounce it. Okay, I think this you're gonna have one... to expand it to be able to see the whole title. Yes. Or why don't you go to here? Here, I'll show you where you can get to the full title. Okay, this, I, I this, love the title of this, this one just because of how weird it is. This part, I probably oh, it doesn't even have it in the Wikipedia page. Oh really? All right, so we're back with the completely edited portion. Okay, so the title is DJ Revisionist, The Spin Master, Culta Killa with Dumad Crypto Colonial Skills. Uh, that is skills with a Z. <laughs> also, yeah. DJ Revisionist, and then everything else in parentheses. Hell yeah. Revisionist, the spin master, culture killer with the mad crypto colonial skills. You gotta like emphasize the the does and with that kind the of the mad crypto colonial skills. A little better. Yeah, my not, not so good though. Yours was better. Um anyway, that that song is super fascinating. We just again listen to the whole thing. Um that's electromagnetic Azoth. So again, sort of a as it says, DJ Revisionist, right? I mean, this is a mixture of a bunch of stuff. You noticed something yeah. right in the beginning. Um, about 30 seconds in, I believe it starts, you can hear a bit in the background, a bit quieter, the tune of The Four, which was the earlier track on the album. That's right. That's right. I mean, a direct uh, riff on it, right? It, it brings in the, the, the yeah. melody of it, that Yeah, it song. took the melody of that and put it uh, through like sort of a muted synthesizer. That's right. Sounded really neat. It's beautiful. And then after that, it brought in more Shrakian sounds and had a little Shrakian tune that was really nice and comforting. And then it had a, a like sort of a, a section where you hear these pops, which immediately to me, the first thing that I thought of was like when you un... Say when you have like large speakers and, oh, right. and you're unplugging something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's just what I think of when I think of popping, but it's when you hear it for a second, you can realize it's fireworks. That's right. It's and then fireworks. you start to hear people. Yeah, people like whistling and clapping. Yeah. And we disagree about this a little bit, but... Well, I think, I... I think if I listen to it on headphones, I might I was going to say, I think more. when you listen on headphones, you hear this. That, that, that crowd sound of the fireworks comes up a couple of times in quick succession with some other bits in between it. And I think the more you listen to that more deeply, it changes from fireworks and people whistling and being happy to the sound of explosions and gunfire and people screaming. So it's this it's this weird sort of fulcrum point, and it's kind of right in the middle of the song. So it's almost like a fulcrum from this joyous celebration into this sort of darker, uh, you know, undertone to it, which, given the name of the song, Crypto Colonial Skills, sort of makes sense to me. Um, the sort of mass, the colonial masking of how graded what we're doing for the for the country we're overtaking is versus the violence that's used to sort of over, well, that's really overthinking it, so I'll back off that thought. But anyway, <laughs> um, I think this is one of my favorite, actually, um, uh, electromagnetic Azoth it's, songs. It's a, I, this may be because of how much you like Ashrakian. This is a very right. heavily Ashrakian-inspired sure. electromagnetic Azoth, Azoth 
song. That's right. Out of out of the songs by that sub band on this album, because I'm not going to try that again. Um, this is the most Shrokian, and it has like the least of the other bands in it. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, I also think that um, this is. Uh, this is a song that you, there's a few songs that are like this, but this is one of the songs where you really do hear the echoes of other tracks in the album. And since this is towards the end of the album, he's really leaning, leaning heavily into that. Like uh, we talked about with, you directly hear the exact melody of the four. Exactly. Yeah, you do. You definitely hear that. This is, and this, for one of like the weirder songs, it's more of a compilation has a bit more traditional rhythm and everything, which right. is nice because it's a bit easier to listen to. Yeah, it is. Even though it I gets... mean, not easy to listen to, but no. easier. Yeah, to yeah. Listen and, to. and and again, I think this is a work of genius. It's compositionally incredible and definitely one to be listened with headphones because it goes deep. There is so many. There is so much that is layered into this song. Um, but I'm really excited to get on to the next one. Let's do the next one. This right. is a hard one to pronounce. You want to try it? Yes, the new game. Try to pronounce the name of the song. Anthropomorphosis Box Lightner. Pretty close. We're going to run with it, folks. Anthropomorphosis. I got the first part right. Box Lightner. I'm not actually sure how to pronounce this last name, but it is somebody's name, and I'll explain whose name it is. Anthropomorphosis? Anthropomorphosis. Oh, right. Anthropomorphosis, yeah. Yeah, Anthropomorphosis. And uh, I'll explain who that is Wait, which we w- listen to the song. It's Boxleatner, that's the last name, right? Correct. That part is, okay, yeah, I was like, yeah. just and, wanted to make we'll, we'll clear learn, that part. We'll learn who that is after the clip. Can you not tell me now? Nope, I'm going to tell you after the clip. You're just going to leave me mystery, huh? I'm going to leave you mystery after the clip. No, we're not going to the clip yet. Yep. No, you got to tell me who this is. The, oh, dang it. Tron. It's the lead actor in Tron. Oh. He poo plays Tron. And I'll explain why that's important after the clip. Okay. That was a clip of Anthropomorphosis Boxleitner. Alright, so as I mentioned before the cut, uh, Boxleitner, um, of course I should have looked it up in the break, but that's the last name of the lead actor in Tron. And that's important because Tron is a Gnostic movie. It is a Gnostic parable. Do you know what Gnosticism is? You've mentioned it, but so, I know. So Gnosticism is a, uh, and, and please forgive me, all of you Web of Mimicry listeners out there who are about to eviscerate me because I'm giving such a, a tepid uh, definition of it, but uh, Gnosticism is a, uh, a early form of Christianity. This is a very basic way of talking about it. That was a different form of Christianity uh, that believed that one had to find the divinity inside and not necessarily outside, but what's most important that makes it related to Tron is that they believe that the God of, or some branches believe that the God of the Bible 
was actually an evil god that had subverted the main god and that um, that he had taken over creation and that made most of creation evil. So if you think about the master computer in Tron equals the evil god who's taken over the program. Mm-hmm. That makes of, sense. The god of Abraham yeah. in a way. It's been a while since right. I've seen Tron. But... And Tron was the hero who was meant to go and purify that and get beyond that god to the world beyond, which in the movie was our world, the real world, right? Um so I won't go too much more into that, but it is a um, uh, it is definitely a Gnostic parable. There's there's just no oh Bruce Boxleitner just looked it up. That's his name, uh, and he's the hero, right? He's Tron. And what is um, you know what anthropomorphic means, right? Um, or you might know. I shouldn't say what. I, you might know what anthropomorphic. Well, means. yeah, I. It's like, it's like when you attribute human characteristics. Right, it's right? human, it's like, yeah. Humanizing something. Humanizing. Oh, and look at that doorknob, looks like a face. Oh, you're anthropomorphizing it, right? So it's interesting yeah, that this sense. is anthropomorphosis, turning something human and combining a Gnostic parable. So clearly, even the title, that's all we've talked about so far, I'm sorry, all I've talked about, is a deeply esoteric uh, uh, exegesis. Enough of that. What about the music? Um, this is Ur, right? This sub Yes. It, oh, I'm trying to remember. So it starts out with, I believe, like a fuzz sound, right? Yeah, but really orchestral fuzz, right? Yes, it's very grand, sort of booksy exodus. That's right, grand kind of thing. And then it uh, uh, starts turning. Sorry, I feel like I'm going to sneeze, but I'm not. <laughs> and that's making it hard for me to talk. And then it sort of takes more of a minor turn. Yep. And then it. You know, does the other thing. Does that other stuff with the things where the places happen and those little notes yeah. come out? Yeah. Um, the thing about Ur that I love is that in the mythology of Secret Trees 3, Ur, Ur is supposed to be a real Turkish uh, synth pop rock band. And this song, I think, really exemplifies that. I could hear this song being played in an arena by a Turkish uh, synth pop rock band of like the 70s, prog rock kind of in the, uh, well, I won't say what other styles it might be like, but... I really love this song. Um, I wouldn't say it's as straightforward as some of the other songs that are we've said are straightforward. It's more straightforward. But it is more straightforward, and it is a banger. It is really great. Um, very grand. Uh, it has moments of being a little bit small, but mostly, excuse me, it feels really grand and operatic in that sort of uh, synth rock sort of way. I absolutely adore it. Uh, and as the second to the last song on the album... Um, interesting that he's leading us out with this sort of what I think is a really anthemic um, rock song in a way. Anything else you want to say about it, bud? Or you're just about to sneeze your face off, I can tell. No, I wish I did, but I don't think I'm going to, which makes it much worse. You're stuck in between worlds, much like the lead character of Charm. It's just great, great it's, segue, Dad. Yeah, it's you know you're 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 being allegorical to the very end, just like this album. Um, and so let's take that allegory. And cart it right on through the very last song Wait, on the album. I want to try this one. All right. Well, you can do this one. Oh, probably. Sure um, you can. Welcome to the Theatron Animatronique. Perfection. The Theatron Animatronique, which I think it just means the animatronic theater in French. So let's listen to that one, and uh, we'll come back and give our final thoughts on this album. Thanks, everybody.
Okay. All right. That, that was welcome to the Theatron Animatronic. Okay. And uh, that subband was let's see here forms. Of course, didn't have to look that up, but I did anyway. So this is one of your favorite songs on the album, isn't it? Uh, nope. No, sorry, I'm wrong. Do you like this song? Yes. Yes. It's a very appropriate ending, I think. I would argue so. Yeah. Also works as a beginning to an album. It does. And in fact, it is kind of a bridge to uh, further uh, parts of this enormous series that he's building. This is not an independent album. It's the first note uh, or first salvo in what is a much larger exegesis of this. Uh, and so it's sort of connective tissue. It's also one of the few ones with lyrics. And you were pointing out how much you liked the lyrics to me. Mm, no. How much I appreciate the lyrics. Appreciate it. Sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth. Yes, you are. That's not fair. Uh, I really enjoy the words. They're very alchemical, of course, very esoteric and layered. Uh, what did they remind you of? You were, you were telling me. Uh, they reminded me of sort of like Old Testament stories. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he even says, let my people go, right? That's yeah, with, with things of like yeah. talking about Egypt and it's building temples. Yeah. Could be hinting to like pyramid building from slaves and that kind of. That's right. Those sort of situations. That's right. And this song to me on a musical level, it has... Not only some of the smaller, um, you know, very melodic elements that, that appear here and there throughout the album, and then goes very operatic and very orchestral. Um, while it doesn't have many of the more glitchy elements that this album has, uh, it, it encapsulated in other songs, it really, I think, covers a gambit of some of the more straightforward stuff, although not much Ishrakian in this one at all. Um, but really, really uh, amazing musicality and... I, I won't say it's a barn burner, but this is another one that you can just listen to on the album without having had to listen to the entire thing front to back, like um, a few of the other pieces, I think, can only be appreciated that way. Um, so I really, really like this song, which is, you know, comes as no surprise. And I think it's the perfect closer. Um, let's let's give some final thoughts. We're both dying of colds here, so we're probably going to wrap this up here in a minute. But let's give some final thoughts on the album, Parker. I'm, I'm interested to know... Now that you've dived into this song by song over a four-week process. Um, it hasn't has been four weeks, has it? It's been a long time. Like um, three weeks. Three weeks, maybe. To revisit again at the end of this podcast episode, why it is that you chose this to be the Secret Chiefs 3 album? Because this currently is my favorite Secret Chiefs 3 album. That's awesome. Even though song by song, it's not necessarily mm. chock full of your favorites. No, but it has so many songs that are my favorites, that right. it makes my favorite album. Out of curiosity, have you ever listened to this album front to back on headphones? Once. Once. That was in three weeks ago. In preparation for this? this? Yeah. And was that different? a different experience for you than listening to it kind of chopped up song by song? Uh, yeah. I bet it, I bet, right? This It feels to it, me... Like it was a album... better and worse experience. Because right? I Because I enjoyed a lot of it, and I enjoyed the interludes more... But then I was forced to listen to Holy Web. <laughs> so. You know, it's interesting. I mean, something I think I'd like to start exploring vaguely as we go through this podcast together. Excuse me. The way you and I listen to music is structurally different because of the technology that we're offered to listen to music on. I did not have Spotify. When yes. I started listening to music and these albums, of, excuse me, artists that we're um, looking at, I always had a tape or a CD and I'd almost always listen to the whole thing. Right. And I think with you, 
and there's nothing wrong with this, but a lot of the times you'll find the individual songs on a on an album or something that you like, and then skip to another album because it's so easy to do. Um, so it's interesting for us to come to these albums together with these different perspectives, and none more so, I think, than Secret Chase 3, because this is, like some Pink Floyd albums and some other albums, this one was really meant to be an entire work, in a way, that leads from A to B, um, and yet that is a very challenging experience, a wonderful and worthwhile experience for anyone who wants to try it. It's, it's a great experience, but then sometimes... I'm feeling nice and relaxed, yep. and I'm, I'll be listening to Secret Chase 3, maybe. <laughs> and then the next song just happens to be Holy Vem. So, most of the time, what I'll do is not listen to that song, because, <laughs> I don't, because I'm not yes. obligated to listen to that song, and I don't want to. Correct, correct. I mean, not correct, but I completely understand. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I don't listen to this back to front that often either. There are other, other Secret Chase 3 albums, like Book M... I can absolutely listen front to back with no pauses. Book M, I've listened to front to back, I think, almost more than any other album. Interesting. Mostly because it's one of the few albums that I got into on my MP3 player a couple years ago, oh, and right. so I'd listen to it on car trips. Right. And I just listened to front to back. Front. I, I think I listened, one of the times we went up to our grandparents' house, I believe I actually listened to it three times. Wow. Completely over. Nice. Just because I was into it and I didn't have anything else to do. Nice, nice. Well, listen, everybody. Um, Secret Chase Three really is worth your time. You, you, you know, I'm not sure that we gave it the best um, that that we put its best foot forward on this podcast. You know, we did our best. Uh, to be honest, we're again we're suffering from cold, so sorry if this episode lagged at all. Um, yeah, and we also really need to get this out. We really need to get so this keep out. Keep up cause... with our schedule. I have people. Do you think people have caught on to our schedule? Yeah, so there's people that listen to it as soon as it comes out on Tuesday nights. Mm, every true. other Tuesday. No, Monday nights. Monday nights, sorry. Every um, other every other Monday late at night. Exactly. Every other Monday real late at night. So <laughs> either you're a night owl or you listen to it on Tuesdays. That's right, or you're in another time zone. Because there are people... At, by the way, um, hello, all our listeners in other countries. We've, right, which apparently we have. Yeah, people so, in hello. Germany. Shout out to Germany. Yo, Germany. Shout out to India. <laughs> shout out to Australia. <laughs> Shout out to the Netherlands. Hi, Andy. Uh, shout out to all the countries. Spain. This yeah. is pretty great. So we, we have listeners in the States, but we also have listeners not. So hi, and thank you for listening. Li- yeah. <laughs> and sticking with us. Listen, we're going to... I really think Secret is great. I think this episode is probably going to be okay. It's probably not our best episode, so... We'll get better. We'll get better. And Hopefully. listen, next week... I think. Not next week. Two weeks from now, we've got one that we're real excited about. One that we've kind of been talking about for a while. One we've been talking for a while, and I think you guys will enjoy based on what I think our demographic is. That's right. If you're a Pavement fan, we're going to dive into a gem, an absolute gem. We're going watery domestic, everybody. Yeah, so, uh, so hope, hopefully we'll that uh, that's right. keep you, keeps you guys satisfied with some Pavement. That's right. And uh, a small note, because I'm going to be trying to pimp this out to a bunch of my Secret Chiefs 3 buddies... Boy, guys, I'm real sorry. I feel like I probably could have done a much better job on this album, so my apologies. But stick with us. We'll come back to Book M and some of the other ones, and I'll dive a little bit more into it and hopefully be a little bit more coherent. But you guys know we argued about this album forever on the forums and how hard it is to to get a beat on it. So what are you going to do? All right, everybody. Listen, we we really appreciate you listening. Um, Tune in a couple weeks from now, uh, and uh, we'll keep it going. We're, We're not quitting anytime soon, whether you like it or not. So this has been uh, Jordan. I'm Parker. 
and uh, this has been Indie Bandwidth, our our podcast. This is Indie Bandwidth. So turn that tape on over. Yeah, let let's let's see you guys. We're gonna the... we're gonna we're gonna I gotta think of a, a tagline. We got don't um we got eh, we got mm, in no nope. podcast. <laughs> Keep hey I got an idea. Hey, 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 guitar hey, or whatever instrument. Hey, Twitter, know, send us send us your ideas for how what our ending tagline should be. We'll have a contest. <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll, we'll have a tagline contest. We'll have a tagline contest because we're incapable of finding our closing tagline. Okay, except so. I say it like this. All right, everybody. No, seriously, thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you two weeks from now. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>